Attention ASRM Today listeners, are you ready for the event of the year? Register now for the ASRM 2023 Scientific Congress and Expo, the premier conference for reproductive medicine happening in New Orleans, Louisiana, October the 14th through the 18th. Get ready to immerse yourself in cutting-edge scientific sessions, engaging workshops, and once-a-year networking opportunities. Discover the latest breakthrough in reproductive science, exchange ideas with industry leaders, and expand your clinical knowledge. With over 200 expert speakers and hundreds of exhibitors showcasing the latest advancements in reproductive technology, this is the event you cannot afford to miss. Mark your calendar and register now for ASRM 2023 New Orleans by visiting www.asrmcongress.org. On with the show. Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes. Today on the show, we're discussing fertility preservation in male cancer patients. Our guest for this is Dr. Omar Rahim, who is Assistant Professor of Surgery and Urology, the University of Chicago Medical Center, Pritzker School of Medicine. Dr. Rahim, welcome to ASRM Today. Thanks so much, Jeffrey. So as, as it is tradition here uh, on the program, I, I always ask my first-time guests, how did you come to be in the field? Well, thank you, uh, first of all, Jeffrey, for this wonderful opportunity from ASRM and SMRU. Uh, it's honored to be here uh, sharing my uh, own uh, experience um, and uh, research that has been, been going on at the University of Chicago. To tell you the truth, uh, you know, initially uh, when I was going through training in, at, uh, in neurology during my residency, always um, really liked the idea of improving the quality of life of men, uh, specifically men who suffer from uh, reproductive health issues, men who suffer from cancer therapy or cancer itself uh, has impact on reproductive health for men. Uh, so I really wanted to, to be a specialized urologist who can take care of those men who suffer from cancer or even treated for, uh, from cancer uh, and help them improve the quality of life. And that's really kind of opened my eyes to the field and uh, I'm very excited to be part of that. And to be honest with you also, from my own experience and, and from my own personal experience, I should say, my wife uh, developed uh, ovarian cancer uh, that at a young age after our child was born. And that kind of led to a, a, a series of treatments that she undergo, undergone, including surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy, which render her um, infertile uh, for life, uh, as you may imagine. Uh, that also kind of hit close to me, a uh, very close person and dear, dearest person in my life, having gone through treatment and see her suffer from um, really mostly rep- reproductive uh, health issues um, that she has to deal with. Um, and that's also kind of uh, really consolidated my beliefs and my uh, future plans to be very specialized in this area. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, you've you've felt it. You you work in it professionally, but yet you've had experience in your personal life. You know, as as well as in, in urology. And I know you want to share some data uh, that you have collected for us to share with us today. What are some strategies for male cancer patients? And it's very important, also. And thank you for asking, Jeffrey. I think uh, for um, for men and and uh, for their families, it's important to highlight those strategies that. Uh, 
we often um, discuss in patients when they come and see us uh, with cancer diagnosis, uh, and typically the consults would start from, uh, you know, educating the patient, counseling them, evaluating them for their potential, like what options they have in terms of preserving fertility. You know, oftentimes men come to see us and they th- they feel that this the end is near uh, with the cancer diagnosis, but they really... Uh, it's important to educate them and evaluate them for what options, um, you know, uh, available. And it starts with the sperm banking, which is very simple and cheap and very, um, you know, kind of important you know, step uh, that initially patients should undergo. Those uh, sperm uh, banking or sperm preservation uh, or cryopreservation can be uh, used for life. Um, it can be uh, resources for the couple for the future. Oftentimes, if patients, um, they cannot ejaculate because of they are too young or um, or they have um, conditions that prevent them from ejaculation, like, like for example, retroejaculation, which is a common condition with cancer or cancer therapy, uh, or in ejaculation, unable to, to ejaculate at all, there are ways of uh, retrieving sperm directly from the femur urine, uh, or by doing a little procedure, a surgical procedure where we uh, retrieve sperm directly from a tissue, of the testicle by opening um, the, the testicular tissue and ex- harvesting those tissue that contain sperm, obviously needing some resources, uh, local resources where this tissue and sperm can be preserved in a special lab that can be utilized in the future for the um, assisted re- reproductive technology like IVF or ICSI. Does age play a, a specific role? Is, is there a specific age group that we look at? You know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm 46. I'm a little bit past time for me and my wife to have children, but I'm just curious, is, are there prime ranges here of, of maybe like 18 to 35 or something along those lines? I mean, we uh, with with men with cancer, uh, they present in different age groups. Uh, you know, pubertal or uh, or adolescent or even adult men. There's no age cutoff, obviously. Uh, if you're able to ejaculate and provide the sample by simply masturbate masturbation, uh, this sample will be preserved and will be checked for quality quality of the sperm. Uh, if they're deemed good to be preserved, then. Oftentimes, the lab will will preserve it. Uh, we often require multiple um, times when multiple ejaculation, you know, times uh, to collect the best samples or best quality of sperm. So there's no age cutoff. Um, obviously, the, you know, obviously, a patient, um, you know, that go, going through like a chemotherapy, for example, treatment, we wait uh, for about you know six months to uh, obtain a sample to ensure there is recovery of sperm. Number one, number two, there's a good sperm we can uh, preserve. Uh, again, this is for men who did not cryopreserve their sperm before the, the chemotherapy, which is oftentimes uh, the case. Why is it oftentimes the case? Is it is it just because of not of not having the option, or? And that's uh, exactly what I really wanted to kind of uh, point out in during this uh, podcast. It's really important to educate our men with cancer diagnosis, right? And it starts with us uh, spreading the word that it's important to educate uh, those younger patients, younger men that need, they need to preserve sperm. They need to ejaculate, they need to masturbate and preserve the sperm in a special labs um, at the time of diagnosis, right? Because that will protect them for life, for fertility preservation, right? And 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 we know that unfortunately with, um, with everything going on right now, obviously uh, with a focus on cancer therapy, right? I mean, everybody's is kind of focusing on that uh, and the survival from cancer therapy or cancer itself, um, taking kind of the helm, if you will, and neglecting other like important aspect, which is the fertility preservation 
so start with uh, educating our doctors and our patients um, who see those patients. Uh, we know the effect of cancer can be systemic as well as local to the testes. It can disrupt the, um, the hormonal as well as the um, uh, mechanism by which sperm will be produced. So preserving uh, sperm ahead of time before the chemotherapy or radiation or surgery is planned is very important. In a recent survey, actually, uh, if I may I'll give you some data, showed that only a third of patients preserve actually sperm or bank sperm uh, before cancer therapy, which is very, very, you know, low. Uh, if you look at the all men who developed kind of cancer, so only a third will preserve sperm. So the point really is to educate our men to, to, to preserve in sperm bank before treatment. Based on research and, and, and talking with providers and, and, and whatnot, just I was curious along these lines, is it too difficult sometimes a conversation to have with a patient, do you think, you know, to, to say, here you've been given this horrible diagnosis, you know, of, of cancer and, and you know, how do we how do we delicately bridge, you know, the gap to say, you know, you also need to be thinking about this, you know, or these right. sorts of things. Yeah, uh, I think you, I think you pointed out nicely there the, the difficult conversation, right, at the time of, of the diagnosis or maybe after men often overwhelmed with the diagnosis of cancer. Uh, there's no time, oftentimes, right? There's no time. They just want to go ahead and do the chemotherapy, for example, right? A diagnosis of lymphoma, for example, right? They want to just go ahead and do the chemo. So I think time is important. Also, also the cost of testing and preserving can be an issue. Um, also, uh, the uh, the resources available, you know, not all the hospitals have the, for example, uh, andrology or semen analysis lab or even IVF lab, right? Uh, so the patients or the men need to make an effort to give a sample, pay for it, um, and then also, um, you know, um, preserve. Uh, so there's a lot of logistical things can actually be, become a barrier for, for, for men to preserve sperm. And obviously, this is an ongoing issue. I mean, I think there's a lot of effort from our societies, the um, the American Urological Association, the um, American uh, Society of Reproductive Medicine, uh, as well as the uh, Society of um, uh, for Male Reproductive Urology, which is kind of works under the umbrella of ASRM, uh, making kind of an effort to make this as a kind of almost a guideline and streamline um, kind of process where men should pres preserve their fertility or their sperm before they go into chemo chemotherapy and other surgical treatment for cancer. My guest today is Dr. Omar Rahim. We are talking about fertility preservation in male cancer patients. Um, I want to ask you, because we were talking just a little bit before we started recording, that you said that you you have some data that you would like to like to share with the audience. Uh, so I, I open the floor to you uh, uh, with that. Thank you, Jeffrey. This is uh, exciting. Obviously, this is a very vital, important topic. We're talking about fertility preservation for men who are undergoing uh, cancer therapy. And we know that cancer is really an uh, important uh, condition we, we treat uh, for our men. And the research in this area can be limited as well because of resources and funding. But uh, at the University of Chicago, we were really we're very interested in um, looking at the preservation uh, of fertility for, for younger uh, kids, um, typically pediatric population at the prepubertal age to try to develop a, a, an animal model study whereby we looking at the preservation and regeneration um, or restoration of uh, fertility for those for the younger younger patients, for example, patients with leukemia or lymphoma 
who uh, oftentimes get a chemotoxic uh, or chemotherapy toxic agent that can be very um, harmful for the testes. So we're developing a, an animal model whereby we're injecting stem cell uh, exosome, with exosomes uh, that could potentially protect against um, stem cell uh, toxicity and damage before the patients or before the pediatric patients receive chemotherapy. So it's a clear combination of stem cell approach leveraging the advantage of uh, of exosomal as well as stem cell uh, allogenic stem cells that injected inside the testicle to protect the environment if you will for the testes for those patients from ex- getting exposed to chemotherapy is there anywhere that we can uh, post a link in our show notes too for for people to look deeper into this or is it yet to be actually no, no absolutely it's a, it's a it's a ongoing research at the, at the labs of the university of chicago in collaboration with um, the monitor um, uh, labs here. Um, and we uh, have presented actually these abstracts uh, in, in different international conferences. Uh, and also we have submitted a two abstracts on this program to the ASRM upcoming meeting in New Orleans in October of this year. So definitely we're happy to share uh, links with you. Well, we will, we will have to wait on that. And, and it sounds very exciting because I, I know we're all looking forward to all the wonderful presentations that are going to happen in, in New Orleans. Now, you you are part of SMRU, and I'd, I'd be remiss not to ask uh, for our audience, since we reach a, a much broader audience here, uh, could you just tell our audience a little bit about what SMRU is about? So SMRU stands for uh, Society for Male Reproduction and Urology. Uh, really, it uh, works under the umbrella of ASRM to promote and advance uh, our understanding of male reproduction, uh, physiology, and management of male fertility by providing really a forum of discussion and dissemination of information that is more geared to a basic science as well as clinical science information um, that geared to a male infertility. Uh, which is an uh, important kind of aspect of the couple fertility as a whole. So really, there's a, a, a panel of very wonderful, talented, young uro- you know, uh, reproductive urologists who are leading the way in this area and providing a lot of research and resources and educational material to educate our men about the male factor uh, infertility issues that could happen uh, during, during their t- treatment for, uh, for infertility. And for more follow-up on SMRU and all the goings on there, we'll put a link in our show notes for people to click on. Uh, That'll take them to the website and give them more direct information. Before we run out of time today, Dr. Rahim, is there anything that in 2023 that you're looking forward to as far as research or anything that's coming down the pipe that that perhaps you can uh, let us in on? Absolutely. It's all exciting uh, news. I think uh, I just shared with you our ongoing research in the fertility preservation uh, and fertility restoration kind of world. Uh, we are very excited to present that hopefully in in, in Orleans at ASRM annual meeting uh, coming up in October. And also there's um, really a, a lot of activities within the ASRM meeting uh, pertaining to a SMRU uh, program that we're looking forward to to see and be part of as well. So um, stay tuned for the meeting and uh, the uh, program uh, coming up in ASRM and SMRU in 2023. People can't see it, my fingers are crossed. See, that's how it's, it's how to keep it to the side there. My guest today has been Dr. Omar Rahim. We have been discussing fertility preservation in male cancer patients. Thank you so much for being able to come on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, again, thank you everyone listening. Please rate and subscribe the show on Apple, Google, or wherever it is you get your podcasting needs from. I'm not here to tell you where to download these things. Uh, as always, if you have questions, you can email us asrm at asrm.org. And until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.